X-Ray. Grow PBX is a live call-in radio show and podcast focused on gardening, farming, and community food systems and more. You know, plants for people, pollinators, and the planet. And now we turn to the host of Grow PBX, Weston Miller of Oregon State University. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Weston Miller of OSU. We're Grow PDX coming at you from X-Ray FM and on Facebook Live at The Argonian. Thanks for joining us. For today's show, we're going to interview Jim Gilbert. He's the owner and operator of Northwoods Nursery and founder of One Green World. We'll also be taking your gardening and landscaping questions. Let's start by welcoming our guest, Jim. Thanks for coming up from from Malala. It's my pleasure. And we're going to get to know Jim in just a little bit. But first, let's celebrate our plant of the week. It's Japanese flowering plum. And it's really pretty. Diana, what are you seeing here? Oh, I'm seeing some really cool, like, yellowish flowers with some little springies in the middle. These tentacle-like things. It's a very straight, rod-like stick um, with very short... Uh, not a whole lot of branches to, to take the flowers okay. out. Yeah, yeah, good. So this is a, a flowering uh, tree, and we've got a couple little branches here with some nice bright pink flowers. And Jim, tell, tell us a little bit about Japanese flowering plum. This is a really beautiful plant. It's one of the, about the earliest one to bloom, which is really fantastic for us here in Oregon, especially this year. Yeah. Even even with all the cold and rain, it was would not be denied, and it bloomed. And one of the really cool things about the flowers is they're fragrant. So uh, normally, this plant's in bloom by mid-February. Ooh. Yeah, and, I do smell uh, it. It, 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 it film. It's just yeah, a wonderful, yeah. wonderful plant in the landscape. Um, it's small tree, and then uh, it also produces a, an edible fruit. Which an edible fruit. Huh? And Ooh. how would the fruit be used? Well, the, the Japanese pickle the fruit, umabashi, is the Japanese oh, name for this. Oh, okay. So part of like shisho vinegars, mm, right. they use that. Okay, right. I use umi plum vinegar all the time. I didn't know that it was this just particular that's, plum. That's I think plum. I've had a soda with that kind of vinegar in it before. Just like a yeah, it's very possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. It's an yeah. apricot-sized fruit. Looks just look really like, like an apricot, and some people yeah. call it flowering apricot too. Okay, but it's going to be a little bit hard and it's best pickled. It's not super sweet just to go eat. It's not sweet, it's tart. Okay, got it. And in terms of growing it, you said it's a small tree. Um, What are some other tips for growing it and does it get the typical stone fruit type diseases? You know, it's pretty resistant. We've had really good luck with it. I just took these branches off a tree this morning uh, and given all this rain and all, they're they seem to be pretty darn happy. Okay, sweet. Well, thank you so much, Jim, for bringing in the Japanese flowering plum. Yeah. It's Prunus lumi is the genus and species, and y'all might check it out. And Jim, you founded and established both Northwoods Nursery and One Green World to here in the Northwest. Provide us some with, with some history of your operations. Sure. Uh, Northwoods Nursery was the phrase, the kind of the mother company, and I founded it in 1979 up in the mountains above Hood River where I was living. Okay. And moved from there to the Malala Canby area in 1982. Okay. When I also at that time realized the horizon of fruit growing was much wider in the Willamette Valley than it was up in the mountains. Okay. So I, I was just, just a sponge for knowledge about growing fruit, and I remember driving around the Portland area being unable hardly to drive down the road because I'd be looking at everybody's backyard to see what was there. Met some really interesting, wonderful people that turned me on to fruits like figs and persimmons and pawpaws uh, and and then just kept working and expanding that. I think probably the other, the big watershed uh, step 
next was in the early night it was in 1990 the early 90s when i started traveling to the former soviet union and then russia ukraine and some of those countries uh, and learning about other plants that we had never even heard about in oregon before okay cool so, yeah Diana. Yeah, uh, Jim, what distinguishes Northwest, uh, your, your Northwoods Nursery is what, what we're called. Um, what distinguish, distinguishes your guys' products from other nurseries? Well, primarily we grow fruit, and, okay. and we're focused on fruit, and, 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 and that's really what our knowledge base is mm -hmm. and the kind of plants we grow. You, you will probably, it's a pretty unique nursery. You're not going to find a lot of those uh, in other nurseries, and and, and I think we also offer uh, a great deal of knowledge about the plants because we've we've been experimenting been with them, them for years here in the awesome. Northwest. Your Jim, edible landscaping and the permaculture approach to gardening are big these days. What do you think's driving this consumer interest? Well, of course, people like to eat their own food, uh, homegrown food, and eat tasty food. And if and anybody who's had a garden and has uh, and an orchard and has grown their own fruit knows how much better tree ripened fruit is than what you typically can buy in the store, and how much fun it is to grow those crops. Yes, exactly. And the recession was an interesting time for a lot of people because in 2008, uh, the 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 demand for fruiting plants actually increased overall compared to other plants uh, because people were realizing that maybe they could grow some of their own food and, and instead of having to, you know, what their, what their income was dropping, let's, uh, let's have more homegrown. So you saw a lot of response for in the nursery business based on the economic recession and increased interest in edible crops. Yeah. And since your nursery specializes in those things, folks were flocking to your retail and to also to the um, the wholesale nurseries looking for those kinds of crops. Yeah, I would say that, that in some ways edible plants are somewhat recession proof because uh -huh. people uh, are going to be thinking about growing their own food when times get tough. Right. Yeah. There's still dirt out there. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah Jim, uh, what are some of, what's one of your favorite plant introductions and where did you introduce it and what was it? And yeah. If we had several hours, I'd love to tell you all the stories. <laughs> I wish but, we did. Uh, yeah. The uh, uh, one that I think of when you when you say that is what a, a berry we call sea berry, which uh, I found when I've traveled first for the first time to the former Soviet Union in 1990. And discovered that this really beautiful uh, or, or tasty orange berry, which uh, is was grown first in in uh, well, grows all over Eurasia, from the Baltic Sea to oh. to China, and uh, and is used for juice and makes a, a incredibly nutritious juice. Very very high uh, in vitamin C. C and is A and tart? E. And, yeah, yeah. Oh. and they're a little bit on the tart side, but tart, they can be sweetened. Tart. Okay. But it's cool. interesting because the plant's range also includes lots of different. Um, strains of it and with some that are actually quite sweet and good enough for eating and in, in, in Siberia and Central Asia the, the the fruit is is very very good surprisingly cool. tasty huh. and Jim bringing a plant to the US from other countries is not a simple process what's involved with that yeah that is got well it used to be not so hard it's gotten much more difficult especially uh, after uh, September September 2001 uh, when okay. the people at the borders began became more like police rather than horticulturalists and uh, so 
you have to have permits yeah. and you have to get phytosanitary certificates and it's a it's definitely a challenge to bring plants in but we do it and we go through all the procedures required to do it so uh, usda is involved and customs mm-hmm. enforcement is involved right it's okay yeah. so a lot of paperwork and red tape but not insurmountable not insurmountable yeah Thank and how, how did you get involved in edible plants what's your backstory here well, the uh, when I started the nursery in 1979, uh, I knew I, w- I started growing some apple trees because mm-hmm. I just like growing things to eat. Sure. But uh, when I when I moved to the Willamette Valley, that's when things really took off for me, and you know, because I found all of the, you know, things like figs, which you, you can't grow can't in the grow mountains in, easily, in, but, in River, but they do grow here in the Willamette yeah, Valley, and they have a history here. It goes back to the late 1800s of people testing figs in the Willamette Valley. It was fascinating to me. I met a man named Peter Dana, who worked, whose nephew worked at a produce place in Portland. Uh, he had a little a little house on Southeast near Cleveland High School, and I went there. And there he had not only figs, he had persimmons, he had pawpaws. Well, and I was like just mm-hmm. entranced by what the potential. So yeah. It, okay. So you found them that they were already growing from people who were in the know. And then you used that plant material, in essence, to form the backbone of your nursery trade. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then we found enthusiasts and uh, people all over, all over this country. Uh, we do uh, Fruit exploring is a lot of fun if you're into it. And totally. you can go to fruit, you can go like to the the Ohio Pawpaw Festival. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in uh, in your uh, in Athens, Ohio, you, there's in Mitchell, Indiana, there's an American Persimmon Festival. Wow. And Jim, speaking uh, of fruit enthusiasts, the Home Orchard Society has an event this weekend. Tell us oh. about that. Yeah. If you if you like to, if you think about possibly someday grafting your own fruit tree, you would like to learn more about that at the, at the Clackamas County Fairgrounds in Canby, Oregon. Uh, from 10 to 4 p.m. on Sunday, the Home Orchard Society has the Fruit Propagation Fair. It's a pretty amazing event. You'll walk indoors and you'll see uh, cans full of sticks and hundreds and hundreds of sticks. And each one of those groups of sticks is a variety of apple or pear. Or so it's all cyanwood wood and there's rootstock there. And then there's an opportunity to learn how to make a graft you can and, learn, you and can walk learn. away with your very own your grafted own fruit tree. Unique grafted tree from one of these hundreds of varieties. That's super so. cool. So folks should check out the Home Orchard Society's website for information about the All About Fruit Fair, the, yeah. the grafting workshop this yeah. weekend. HomeOrchardSociety.org. Yeah, we'll quick question you. for Jim. Do you feel like living in the Pacific Northwest, we're especially lucky because we, we're just like uh, lucky to have really good growing conditions for a lot of different plants and varieties of things? It's a very unique place we have. If you look yeah. on a map of the world, there mm-hmm. maybe maybe one other spot where you have this mountain range that protects you from cold air from the interior. Yeah. And and we have this maritime climate with the totally. Japanese current. And, <laughs> uh, and there, cli- there are a lot of plants that grow here, and I'm coming from the central coast of California, so there's a couple things we can't grow here, like <laughs> avocados that uh, I kind of mourn about, but overall uh, <laughs> we've got a pretty blessed climate. Yeah. You're listening to Grow PDX Radio Show and Podcast. We're coming at you live from X-Ray FM and on Facebook Live via The Oregonian. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Weston Miller, and with Diana Suarez. We're talking with Jim Gilbert of Northwoods Nursery about his work in growing and selling unique edible plants. Jim, provide our audience a verbal description of your farm near Malala, Canby area. Sure. Uh, 
I'll do a little tiny bit of history too. So originally when I moved there in 1982, I, I bought 20 acres in an old farmhouse and I was so thrilled to have a farmhouse because, which was near a road and a mailbox and had electricity because where I lived in the mountains, I had none of those things. Okay, there you so, go. So moving on up to so boy, back to I was, civilization. I was really thrilled by that. And, uh, and I've loved it too because it was on a back road. So there wasn't a lot of traffic mm-hmm. and had a little, uh, an, an oak savanna, had some native Oregon oaks there and some Douglas fir trees and a, and a creek, and then that expanded to the adjacent 20 acres, which was owned by the the the, the land that I bought was owned by the original family that homesteaded it, uh, and then across the street eventually I bought another 26 acres, so ended up with 66 acres of land and more oak savanna and um, and it, it's pretty flat, but there's some texture to it. Okay, so then it's a nursery operation. You have greenhouses. You have um, propagation facilities, et cetera. Just give our, our audience a picture of what's there. Sure, yeah. sure. There's there's one large greenhouse, which is a retractable roof greenhouse. There's about two and a half acres, which is we can open the roof when we want to uh, let light in, or okay. uh, we can close it if it gets too cold. We have 22 other greenhouses, sort of more typical ones. Uh, there are a lot of field growing areas that we use, and we we've sort of uh, in, done a little bit of innovative work. Uh, we're very much into uh, soil conservation, water conservation. Uh, my philosophy when I started the business was I wanted to leave the soil in better condition than mm-hmm. it was when I started. And that's saying a lot for a nursery business. And we're we're, we're and doing that, and the soil. We all improved. had that logic, Jim. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, it's not that hard to do. You, you just have <laughs> right. to, you know, work Commit at it. Commit to a bit. it, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Jim, what is it? What's a day to day? You know, what are what does a day look like for you, and does it change a lot over the seasons? Sure. Well, we the cycle of growing this time of year we're uh, we're planting rootstock, mm-hmm. which is um, the the basis for the new fruit trees. We're also mm-hmm. doing a lot of potting of plants. We started last year, so we grow plants both in the ground and in pots. Uh-huh. Uh, that's the primary work we're doing right now, plus shipping, which is oh. we do a lot of shipping. Uh, we large trucks come into the nursery. We yeah, what's we, your big you shipping know, season? It's, for, it's right about right now. now. Yeah. It actually <laughs> starts in January. Got it. And big trucks. I mean, we send we send plants to garden centers all over the country because our our mix is so unique. Uh, during the summer, it's main it's maintaining the plants, watering them, mm-hmm. weeding, doing the various things we have to do. In late summer, we start budding, which is a type of grafting where we're putting buds on the rootstock we planted now mm-hmm. this time of year. Cool. And then that those will, those buds will stay dormant on the plant until this again this time of year, and then we'll remove the top of the rootstock and, and encourage, that will encourage the bud to grow and make a new fruit tree. Hmm. So uh, a full year of action in the horticulture trade, Jim. In addition to growing the plants to to sell. You also are growing things out for evaluation in terms of cultural requirements and also growing characteristics like fruiting. Tell us about some of your favorite plantings on your farm. Well, that's this is really the fun stuff. Yeah, you know, the planting <laughs> this stuff out to evaluate because you get to eat all the fruit and, you know, <laughs> and, and check uh, it out. Quality control testing, all those persimmons and fruits out there. <laughs> yeah, one of the fun things I'm doing, I've been doing for the past several years, is working on some new persimmon varieties from Korea. That, uh-huh. we, that we brought in. We have a really good friend in Korea has a nursery business and we've been doing ex- plant exchanges with them. That's awesome. So I probably got 20 new persimmon varieties that I'm experimenting with. This year, I think a lot of them should bear fruit. They've, uh, I, re- I top worked, I grafted uh, cuttings onto older persimmon trees that I had 
and so they they're now almost ready to start. Okay, and are they mostly uh, Asian persimmons or American or a little bit of both? The ones from Korea they're, are Asian, Asian, are Asian persimmons. persimmons. Okay, so they're right. a little bit they're harder and they can they're the non-astringent types. They're both. They're both astringent okay. and non-astringent types. I I really enjoy persimmon and it's it's such a beautiful fruit tree and it's got such a such a great history in Asia. It's probably mm. and if you if you really think about it, persimmon is probably the most widely grown fruit in the world. You think about China and Japan, yeah, but not as popular here in the United States. People don't know it so well, but it's it's such a beautiful landscape tree. Yeah, uh, what are some of your favorite things to do with persimmons besides eat them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, what other ways can you eat them? You can put them in a pie or. Yeah, there's persimmon pudding. Oh, uh, okay. And it's mm-hmm. really interesting. It's, it's If you go, you can look it up. And in fact, at Mitchell, Indiana Persimmon Festival, they have a persimmon pudding contest. Okay. Dried persimmons are wonderful, and we do a lot of drying of them. Mm-hmm. We came up with, a, we found a, uh, this year, we or this past year, we, in 2016, we went to a persimmon symposium in Spain where we learned a technique that we didn't know about where you can take an astringent persimmon and you can treat it with CO2 and uh, take out the astringency. Oh, and you, interesting. And, and you've actually created a, a new fruit because the fruit tastes different than it would had it just become ripened soft. Ripened on its own. Interesting. Wow. So expose it to CO2 and it just uh, accelerates the ripening process yeah, in it, a it, new, it, different it, way. You're right, but it stays firm it instead stays of getting firm. soft. Really? That's fascinating. That's good really. to know. <laughs> Cool. So uh, what are some other um, fruits that are going to be f- coming out early that you're excited about? Well, the first, the first berry to, okay. to ripen for us is yeah. the honeyberry, okay. which is, again, one of those fruits that nobody in the U.S. <laughs> really knew about. Yeah, I didn't know that uh, was a thing until right the second. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like a blueberry. It's a lo- an elongated. There are a lot of different varieties. We have some really nice ones. It's a popular commercial fruit in northern Japan, okay. believe it or not. Okay. Uh, and it <laughs> comes a good two, three weeks ahead of the blueberries themselves. Absolutely. So it's an early season blueberry, as it were, <laughs> but it's a lanicera. It's not a vaccinium. That's, that's correct. That's right. And it, and it's a very, very high in antioxidants. The juice mm-hmm. is just almost like ink. Uh, it's uh, it, say it ripens early. We just eat them fresh. And, and it's also easy, to, a bit easier to grow than a blueberry because it doesn't require acid soil. Yeah. Cool. Now, Jim, what's your advice for someone considering a job in the nursery business? Boy, that's a really good question. Right now, we uh, the, all of the nurseries in Oregon that I know of are looking for employees, and the the we think it's a great it's great work. You're not going to get rich doing it, but you get a lot of satisfaction, a lot of outdoor stuff, a lot of fun with plants. That if you like plants. Uh, I think it's a it's a great occupation. I've been doing it for a long time, and I always sometimes puzzled why other people don't get as excited as I do about it. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> but and, I think, and what kind of skills do you recommend people get? Sure, you know if you're gonna if you're gonna study, uh, I, I would say one of the most important ones is study Spanish, because so many workers in in the in horticulture and agriculture are Spanish speaking, and that's mm-hmm. a really really nice if somebody comes with to us that has some at least workable Spanish okay. knowledge. And this is really a, a production nursery, not as much of a retail nursery situation. Of course, right. Yeah, yeah. okay. And then, um, like, skills people can get at Clackamas Community College yeah. or OSU or just on the job working for a nursery. You know, one of the, it sounds really funny, but learning how to water plants correctly totally. is, a, is, is, a, is an incredibly important skill. Especially in containers where if they dry out, it, it'll happen like yes, that and yeah. they'll, you'll lose plant That's material right. pretty quickly. You know, Essentially, 
What skill I'm also really proud to have after working on a farm, how to handle a hose mm-hmm. so that it doesn't get all the kinks and it, you know, rips all the time. I'm very grateful for that skill, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Jim, what's next for Northwoods Nursery? Do you have any new introductions in process? Well, as I mentioned, we're the, working on, on persimmons. persimmons. We're tr- I'm traveling to New Zealand in about a week and a half to look for new varieties of feijoa, pineapple guava. Okay, pineapple guava. Uh, Ooh, that's one I, of my favorites. I was in Brazil a year ago uh, where pineapple guava is native, and we went exploring in the, in, in the, in the forest there and, and, and also talking to growers. Wow. And uh, so those are uh, two really interesting directions we're sure. going. You know, if you're going to okay. study. This is uh, Grow PDX Radio Show and Podcast. We're talking with Jim Gilbert about unique fruit and crops and his work with Northwoods Nursery. He'll be staying with us as we take your gardening and landscaping questions for our final segment. Give us a shout at 503-233-9729, or you can post your your questions on the video feed at Facebook at The Oregonian. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Weston Miller. We'll be back in a minute. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Lackey Construction, specializing in residential and light commercial construction projects in Portland, Oregon. More information available at lackeyconstruction.com. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Portland Nursery. For over 100 years, Portland Nursery has provided Portland residents with a wide selection of healthy plants and expert gardening advice, community-oriented and family-owned. Portland Nursery, a passion for plants, a nursery for plant people. Located on 50th and Stark and on 90th and Division. Welcome back to Grow PDX. I'm your host, Weston Miller with OSU, joined by Diana Suarez with X-Ray FM. We've got Jim Gilbert here. And Diana, we've got questions on Facebook. Yeah, we do. Uh, It looks like... um Mark, speaking of pineapple guava, two of my trees looked healthy all winter and looked like they had just died out last month. Is this the cause for the? Is this the case for the entire region? Should I expect them to come back in the spring? Thanks, Mark, for that question. I can take that. Um, so winter damage is probably what's going on. I've got some pineapple guavas at home, and they did not fare all that well with the the hard snow and the freezing rain and the hail that we had. Um, So probably there's a little bit of dieback going on. The leaves that are looking like they're haggard are probably going to die and fall off soon enough. And then I would probably just wait and see what happens over the next couple months. And where it doesn't leaf out and start growing, you could trim that all back. But overall, the plants should be alive and will will keep growing. Just some uh, sort of moderate damage from the winter we've had this year. Yeah, all right. And then thanks to Bobby and Nancy and Phyllis. Uh, Sarah wants to know uh, if she can grow arugula in a garden box and when is when is the best time to get that started and when can uh, when where can she get a fig tree start? Okay, well, Jim can take the fig tree there. Go ahead. <laughs> sure. Yeah, well, depending on the type of fig you want to grow, uh, I, I, well, the, the basic fig for Oregon, to me, is Desert King. Yeah. And, and I would highly recommend that because it ripens, it, it ripens in the summer, the first crop. I can talk a lot about figs. I went to a fig symposium just a couple of years ago, too. <laughs> but uh, there are a lot of figs that will grow here and look nice. The plant will do happy, happy, but the figs won't ripen. We need to get varieties that will ripen uh, early. And, De- and Desert King is excellent for that. Another variety, Laterula, uh, ripens, is one of the, it ripens in the fall, but it ripens about the earliest of all the varieties that I know of. And, uh, and One Green World is a great source for those things because I've 
I, they get a lot of plants that, from us. That was your retail nursery. That's right. And, um, and then you all sell plenty of plant material to other nurseries, and folks are stocking from my eyes the right figs for our area, by and large. The retail nurseries have the figs that are going to handle it pretty well here. Mm -hmm. For arugula, I'd say go ahead and make your box and plant it right away. Um, the soils are still pretty cold and wet, but uh, if you let things dry out a little bit and then work the soil and direct seed arugula, it'll get going. And then you could do a couple waves of it, certainly here in the spring, and then maybe wait until August or so and, and replant arugula at that time. Jim, you were talking about sea berries earlier. They're robust plants, but they're kind of hard to harvest because of all the thorns. Do you have any advice on how to deal with that? Absolutely. We, we discovered in Germany where sea berry is grown commercially, the way they harvest them is they actually cut the branch off with the berries, which are in the, and you wouldn't believe the branch is like an orange. They're just, laden with, laden, heavily laden yeah, with heavily berries. With they're berries. really gorgeous looking. Cool. Right, cut the branch off, put the branch in a freezer, chest freezer is what we use. Okay. Freeze it for you know, a few hours till it gets good and solid and then you can just shake the berries off in a bucket, just knock them off and they just come off like little marbles. Cool. Okay. And the plants mm -hmm. grow very robustly so if you take a couple limbs off it's really not a big deal because well, it'll it'll fruit the following year. And it's good to do that because it, that way you prune it at the same okay. time. Okay. So you mm -hmm. couple your pruning with the harvesting in right. just whole branches at right. a time. It works great. I like it. Now I've, I've got some questions Jim. Are there any edible plants out there that aren't currently being grown commercially here in Western Oregon that you think might have hope as a new specialty crop for some of the, the more enterprising younger farmers out there? Well, that's a great question, and, and I see we don't have enough time to answer it totally. <laughs> well, but yeah, give, so give us some hints. Let me give you one, one almond. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, we have some really interesting uh, late-blooming almonds we brought from Ukraine mm. years ago, and they finally got, went through quarantine, and I think that almonds could actually be grown here in so Oregon. They're cold-hardy enough Absolutely. that they can survive here, mm. and they'll also fruit, so they, they flower late, meaning they won't get damaged that's by springtime frost right. or hails and things that's like right. that. They're, they're, they're a tree about the size of a peach tree okay but uh, and uh, they're, they're more disease resistant in my experience than a peach so actually they've been doing really well for us Inter and then uh, and the crop is good and abundant we get lots of nuts okay uh, figs I'm, I'm I'm thinking that you know someday there's going to be a small fig industry in Oregon there used to be years and years ago <clears throat> and I, I think uh, one of the things about figs is you can't ship ripe figs. Yeah, they so don't ship them. People who've only eaten the ones in the store from California would be will be blown away by how good a really homegrown fresh fig is. Oh yeah, I'm from yeah. California, and when I first had a fig here in Oregon, I was like, oh, this is what this tastes like. I've been missing out my whole life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. dried figs, of course, are pretty tasty as well. Sure, yeah. cool. Diane, do we have any last comments from Facebook? Um, yeah. Well, we had a lot of people. Uh, given our comments so thanks to thanks so much to leanne and will and sarah and janine um Jenny had a question here who she has a lemon tree and it's wintered over it's similar to the earlier question we had but what's the best way to transition this tree back outside uh right about now it's not freezing anymore you could go ahead and just take it outside and maybe keep it under an eave but overall it should be fine now that we've passed through that um, season of the hard frost that we're expecting. Yeah. And then lastly, Jim, what inspires you the most about your work as a nurseryman? 
um, f- well, I think finding new, finding and tasting finding new and fruit, tasting new fruit, and, you know, and sharing it with and people. sharing it with people. Absolutely, you know, turning people onto it and watching their eyes light up and when they try something new. That's cool. And for folks who can't see his smile, it is a big, <laughs> genuine smile. It is really cool. It's lighting up the room. <laughs> That's Jim Gilbert. He's with Northwoods Nurseries. Thank you for listening to Grow PDX. The show is produced by me, Weston Miller of OSU, and Diana Suarez and Will Romy of X-Ray FM. Thanks for joining us. Next week, we'll be talking about the Oregon Flora Project. Join us at 1 p.m. here on Grow PDX and on Facebook at The Oregonian. Thanks, friends. Woohoo! Woohoo! X-Ray FM is supported by People's Food Co-op. Since 1970, People's has worked to offer responsibly sourced products at fair prices. Working with over 40 local farms to provide fresh, organic, farm-direct produce year-round. People's is collectively managed by community members throughout Portland. Located on Southeast 21st and Division, Peoples is open 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. More information about their location on 21st and Division at their weekly farmer's market every Wednesday from 2 to 7 p.m. and online at peoples.coop.